0: Go ahead and have a seat. Merry Christmas, Eastview. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry balmy, tropical Floridian Christmas. Wearing a layered outfit was a poor choice. I was driving here. I actually had the air conditioning on. I've never had that happen on Christmas (laughs) Eve, so... Well, thank God for the beautiful weather. We're glad that you're here tonight to celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And one of the things I love about Christmas is all the Christmas stories that are uh, uh, wrapped up in this season. And, And maybe you like to read some of the stories. Maybe you like Twas the Night Before Christmas. Maybe you like to read a Christmas carol. Maybe like our family, you prefer to watch your stories. And so if you bend towards the classics, maybe you like a Christmas carol. Maybe you like It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe you like Miracle on 34th Street. Or I hear a lot of kids in the crowd, so uh, we've got kids in our house and students, so maybe you've been watching The Grinch, maybe you've been watching Elf on the Shelf or Prep and Landing, maybe you've been watching the Santa Claus, Polar Express, or one of my favorites, Home Alone. Or maybe, if you're a little more refined and sophisticated like me, you tend to gravitate towards Christmas vacation and Elf. I don't know what you like, (laughs) but there are a ton of Christmas stories that are wrapped up in this season, and if we're not careful... If we're not careful, the story of Christmas gets lost in the shuffle. And that's what I want to remind us of today. I want to remind us the Christmas story isn't really a story, it's a historical event. The Christmas story isn't really a story, it's an event. And this event that took place and this event that was recorded for us to see, it can transform your life if you'll let it. And so without further ado, I'm going to jump into Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read the Christmas story together. It says this, Luke chapter 2 verse 1 through 20. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him. And was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, the shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock, and then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy." it will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Well, when the angels had left and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, but Mary was treasuring these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. The Christmas story. Now, maybe what you don't know about Luke, who was one of Jesus' disciples and one of his friends, is Luke was a pretty meticulous guy. He was very educated. He was a physician. And so at the very beginning of Luke's historical account, he wants to get some things straight. And so we see in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, Luke outlines the whole idea of his gospel. He says, hey, there's a lot of people talking right now, and there's a lot of eyewitnesses that have handed things down, and so I have carefully investigated everything to the fullest extent, and I have tried to write an orderly sequence so that you can know with certainty what I'm sharing. Luke's whole desire is that we could know with certainty. Well, know what? Verse 10 gives us a clue. If we go back and look at the angel's proclamation in verse 10, it says, Today I proclaim to you good news of great joy for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. And so here's the first Christmas reminder for us tonight. The good news was proclaimed for you. The good news that we just read about was proclaimed for you, each and every one of us. The angel says here, the angel of the Lord says, hey, I've got good news, and it's going to usher in great joy, and it is for every single person. The, the word that Luke uses there, the Greek word for great, is megas. We get our English word mega. It just means huge, something unprecedented, something so splendid and prepared on a grand scale, this magnum, mag, mag I can't talk, let me look at my notes, a great moment of great weight. The angels are saying, look, something's about to go down for real, and it's going to usher in a sense of joy. Profound joy that you have never experienced, not even on your best day. And it's joy like this that's for everyone. You know, one of the most beautiful parts of this story, I think, is the messiness of the Christmas story. Don't miss it, because the angel, the proclamation of good news for great joy that's for all people, it starts with lowly shepherds on a hill in Bethlehem. And I don't think those shepherds just lucked out. They were on a random mountain at the, the, the right time in the wrong place. I think God, in his kindness, chose to reveal the good news of great joy for everyone to lowly shepherds. Here's why this matters. In ancient Israel, shepherds were often considered unclean. They were dealing with dirty, smelly sheep. They were dealing with the sheep's manure. They were dealing with blood and cuts from the sheep getting scraped on the mountainside and the, and the bugs that were floating or, or buzzing around. And so the people of that day considered shepherds unclean. In fact, they were rarely ceremonially clean enough to go to the temple. And so you see these lowly shepherds looked down on by society, not good enough to gather together like we are tonight, not welcomed into God's temple, not able to be in their mind in God's presence with God's people. And the angel appears to shepherds first. Maybe some of us here tonight don't feel worthy enough to enter into God's presence. Maybe some of us here tonight, if we were invited and and we're not a part of the church family, we're just curious about God, but we don't really know that, that we would belong, and we certainly maybe don't feel like we belong on an evening like this. Well, the Christmas story is a reminder that everyone is welcome, everyone is welcome, you know, Part of the reason that the angel's proclamation was filled with great joy is because the angel proclaimed good news, not good advice. The angel on that Bethlehem mountain proclaimed to the shepherds good news, not good advice. I love how Pastor Tim Keller explains this in his book, Hidden Christmas. He says this, advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what's already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognize something that has already happened and respond to it. Advice says it's all up to you to act. News says someone else has acted. And the good news that was proclaimed that night is that God has already acted on our behalf. He's the one who took the initiative. Knowing that we could never come to him, he came to us. Now, I don't know if any of the parents in here tonight have ever had an experience where they've lost one of their children in public. To my wife's knowledge, that's never happened to me, and we're gonna keep it that way. (laughs) But if hypothetically you've experienced that, you know the terrifying feeling of being separated from your child and the absolute truth that you would do anything in your power to bring them back. And it's the same with God. We see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Matthew is talking about Jesus. He says this, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, they were lost. And this is the good news that brings great joy for everyone, that God loves you and he's already moved to you because a savior was born for you. A savior was born for you. Now, the people of Israel, they've been waiting for their Messiah. They've been waiting centuries, and they heard their prophets talk about the coming Messiah, and they could read about it in their ancient writings, and they were waiting, and they were leaning in with expectation, and they were believing beyond hope that God was a promise keeper, and the Messiah did come, but it was a Messiah who was also their Savior, and they thought the Messiah would be a gift to them, but the funny thing about gifts is sometimes you have to humble yourself to receive them. I anticipate tomorrow if you're gathered around a Christmas tree and you excitedly open a present from a loved one and you rip off the wrapping paper and you open the box and it's a gym membership (laughs) and you didn't ask for that, that's humbling. Or maybe it's a dieting book and you, to your knowledge, didn't plan on changing your eating habits. Maybe it's a nose clip, a mouth guard, or a CPAP machine because you saw logs and keep the whole house up. To accept those gifts on some level requires you to humble yourself and realize there are parts about you that need to soften, need to be shaped, need to be transformed. So it is with God. So it is with God. You only need a savior if you can't save yourself. And we live in a culture that says be successful and be self-reliant. We live in a culture that says, hey, if most of the time, most of the time, if if I think good thoughts, if I say good things, if I do good things, then I'm a good person. And if we're honest in this Christmas season and are quiet, Sober, reflective moments, we realize there's got to be something more. And that's where we get the hope in this Christmas story. The Christmas story gives us hope. Now, this is important. Listen, the Christmas story reminds us we have hope because we have a God who is holy and loving. A God who is loving and holy. Now, a God who is holy is set apart. Uh, A God who is holy means he's, he's perfect in his character and his conduct. There is no evil, there's no ill will, there is no malice in our God. He is perfect and holy, but that holiness creates space from a perfect God and an imperfect person like me. And so we have a problem because he's set apart. And if God is holy but not loving, he would not come down to us. Like an overbearing parent, he would say, demand that we try harder, get it together, stop screwing up, and earn your seat at the table. And there's no hope in that this Christmas season. But at the same time, a God who is all-loving but not holy wouldn't have had to come to earth as well. You know, in his love and gushing over us, this all-loving but not holy God would have said, it's okay, I'll overlook those things. We'll sleep, sweep them under the rug. Those, those parts of your life that aren't as, as pretty, we, we'll just avoid them, we won't talk about them. And, and that kind of sounds good on the surface because I would love to have grace in my life when I make those teeny tiny little mistakes that sometimes happen. But when I look around the world, when we look around the world and we see the sin and brokenness around us, and more specifically, the sin and the brokenness impacting those around us that we love, we want a God who is holy, who is just, who makes wrong things right. And this is where the Christmas story reveals to us a God who is holy, so he can't just shrug off our sin, but a God who loves us so deeply and passionately, he wasn't content to watch us drift away either. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, we do have a part to play, even though the good news means that God has already acted on our behalf. And like the shepherds, even if we don't feel like we belong, God says, come into my family, you belong. We do have one part to play. If you look at verse 15, the shepherds said, hey, we, we've we got to hightail it to Bethlehem and see this for ourselves." And then in verse 16, it says, they hurried off and found something. They hurried off and found something. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And after hearing the good news, they hurried off and found Jesus. After hearing the good news, they found hope and joy. Now, did they go back to shepherding? Probably. Did the same stinky sheep meet them the next day? The same manure? Yes. And it's a lot like our lives. We've got manure in our life. This is a kid-integrated service, so there's a lot of words I could choose, but we've got manure in our life. And yet, when you hear the good news, when you see the Savior, it reorients your entire life around a story that can change your life. You know, it's not lost on me that a lot of us have plans this evening, plans for tomorrow, plans for the new year, plans that will require us to hurry off to go to them. And my question as we leave tonight is, what are you hurrying off to find What are you hurrying off to find tonight? The shepherds hurried off and they found Jesus. And we live in a culture where it will be easy tonight to hurry off and find a multitude of things that don't point you to Jesus. And so this Christmas season, what are you hurrying off to find? If you're here tonight, you've never found Jesus. You've never felt like you belonged. I want to encourage you after the service to go to the family room out in the atrium Or just linger for a minute. Find somebody you know, somebody you trust to talk to. And if you're here tonight and you've been following Jesus for a long time, could I just challenge you tonight and tomorrow to anchor your family in the good news of great joy that's for all people? I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able to. I want you to go ahead and grab your candle. And I want you to turn it on. In just a minute, we're going to sing Silent Night. And I want to, hey, all right, all the kids, wave them around real quick, ready, three, two, one. Here we go. Okay, and now freeze. All right. In Silent Night, we're going to sing a verse that says, holy infant, so tender and mild. Holy infant, so tender and mild. I want you to think about how Jesus left the authority and the splendor of heaven to come down to earth as a light for us, as a vulnerable baby boy. And then the last line we'll sing is, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Lord, at thy birth, that this was no ordinary baby boy, it was the King of Kings, the Lord of the universe, and if you'll allow him tonight, your Lord and Savior. So let's sing together now.